Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Peanut Butter Naya Time. Hope you guys have got your jar of peanut butter ready and we're in for a new episode. So today I want to talk to you guys about my experience with entrepreneurship, just specifically one of my ventures that I tried out, um, which is probably the one that I did the most like full-fledged. Um, and what I learned from entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship is hard. Just like starting a business is hard. Um, but let's talk about this. Let's break it down. All right. So um, I'd like to call this episode the time in my life when I ran a bakery. So I grew up um, always watching my dad bake. He's really, really good at baking, has always had like a very strong passion for it. Very good. Um, and he used to like sit in front of the oven growing when I was growing up and just like watch the cakes rise. And I also have a habit of doing this. It's very fun. Um, so yeah, dad loved baking. My sister and I, I think both just like learnt um, by watching my dad cook a lot and like bake. We just naturally were drawn to it and we enjoyed baking. Um, my sister was really good at baking slash is still really good at baking. She's like a very slip slop slap baker. Um, I feel like anything she puts together always tastes good. I started baking more like um, maybe when I was like 19, I was like, ooh, this is fun. Like, look at me make cupcakes. Look at me try these things. And I've had lots of, lots of fun trying like croissants and um, or croissant, if we're being fancy, like sourdough bread, um, cinnamon, cinnamon buns and cinnamon rolls. Really fun. I really, really enjoy baking. And I think, I know there's like, baking is definitely more of a science Oh, that's like actually pretty. That's a pretty controversial like statement to say, but I feel like baking is more of a science than, oh, than just like general normal cooking. Like unless you're a fine dine chef, or like you're really, you know, you've, you're. I mean, just for the layman, all right, baking is more like science than cooking like a normal like a normal noodle dish. That's what I think. Anyway. Um, so yeah, baking is so much fun, and I always enjoyed it. Um, and when I was living in Myanmar. Um, I was, I remember I used to bake cookies and so I brought them into, to work, um, one day and my, my colleagues were like, whoa, these are so good. Like everyone really loved them. And I was like, oh, that's very kind. I mean, just baked them casually. And then I remember one of my colleagues, who's also my really good friend was like, oh my God, your cookies are so good. We should start a, a bakery business. And I was like, hmm. For some reason, like people have said things like that randomly before about other things, but for some reason I was like, yeah, you know what? Why not? Let's try it out. And so this kind of inspired um, this like unraveling of multiple, multiple months of fun that we had. Um, and we kind of just, we were like ran with the idea and we're like, let's do it. Let's, let's start a bakery, um, specifically like a cookie business. So... The reason that you could do this in Myanmar is just because it's it's like generally deregulated when you're starting a business. Um, and I have to kind of explain the landscape to, to make you, to kind of make you understand this if you've never been to Myanmar. So there's like, if you live in the US, there's like no FDA. If you live in Australia, there's no like um, central council that has like rules on the level of how things should be. And no one's really like out there making sure that you have like, paying business tax and setting up a business all this stuff so you can kind of explore and try out different things without um really like registering a business and you can just just test it out for fun you know see if it works um so i think that was a really good re that was a reason why i was like okay you know what why not like i feel like the barrier for entry is quite low and let's just try it out and so the second thing was also 
um, there was a very large gap for baked goods in Myanmar. There was like the classic bread talk, bread top type of bakeries that do the Chinese style bread that's like very sweet, but not that many people were doing, I guess like artisanal or gourmet baked goods. So I was like, well, why don't we try out like starting with cookies and do like gourmet cookies and then see see what, where this goes. Mind you, I had only lived in Myanmar for maybe like, I wanna say like three months, but I was like, yeah, why not? Let's just give this a try. Um, and my friend is a local, so I think it helped that she knew the market and she saw the opportunity as well. So I wasn't like just blindly as an expat going in there and like, let's start a cookie business. <laughs> anyway, so we did our due diligence and we started doing like market research. We went out there, we tested all these different cookies from different um, cafes or like small stores. And generally across the board like no one was doing my style of cookie which was like kind of like a Levain cookie I love a Levain cookie so more like thick gooey in the inside um very like a bit like a cake but not a cake um everyone was doing more like the biscuit hard crunchy like very thin um so it was perfect like it was a great opportunity for us to enter into the market um so then we started testing flavors. Like I would just, I would make batches. And that's a thing. Like when you go from recreational baking to like, oh, you got to start a business. You got to get consistent. So you're going to be doing like the same recipe in bulk um, consistently. And I think that was kind of stressful um, and something that you don't really realize when you're like, oh, let me just take this great. Like it's like, I make this great um, cake. Can you do that? thousand times over to the exact same standard that is the challenge I think when you like really transfer something from um just a normal like small layman cake to in something like grow it to scale that is the difficulty I think that's like a difficulty with most products so that's something that I learned very quickly um so we did our market research and we saw that there was a gap then we kind of figured out our pricing based on that so we were charging I think we were charging oh, like 2,500 or 3,500 chat, so maybe our chat per cookie. So that was about um, $2.50 Australian or $3. And it's just like you could not charge more than that because the average income and the value of the, the, the Myanmar chat was quite low. So like in a, a third world country, essentially you just can't really, cannot um, charge more than that. Um, and that was already like quite a premium price. So once we kind of figured out our cookies and what flavors we wanted, we tested them and kind of got consistent with what we were going to produce. The other step was figuring out our branding. Like I don't think we had ever actually done like logo creation and branding creation. At least I hadn't. I know my partner had done a bit of work around like starting her own like travel business. So she had an idea of, of, setting, of that set up. So luckily we had some connections who helped us design um, like a logo. I remember I was trying to make a design on um, Photoshop and Canva and honestly, it just wasn't the same. Like I, you need to really, having a graphic designer and having that eye is such different, different take on things. That's why graphic designers are very sought after and very valuable in life. Um, they can really help create a different feel and vibe. So we had a really cute logo. If you're watching the video, this is what it looked like. Um, very cute. I thought it was very nice. It was called the Bite Myanmar. Um, and the bite me and I just sounded right. Like I just, it was so cute and it was just perfect. I loved it. So yeah, we started the bite me Um, we made a Facebook page 
We did a photo shoot. So we had a one day where I just baked all these cookies and we took photos of them. We also had to find packaging, which was like super hard to find the right packaging. We had to test out different types of packaging, like how that would work. And I remember we initially went with like a box that was one of those boxes that you collapse in the sides and it becomes, it goes flat the top and then you hinge it into like the little, like the tabs into the other cardboard and it creates like a little box. Um, quickly learnt that those were like not great for longevity in terms of the box was like very easy to break. It didn't keep them like air sealed. So they were able to get like dry or stale really easily. So we ended up switching not long after that into like brown um, paper brown like paper bags that were resealable at the top um, and that was that was perfect and we got like we got sticker logos printed off and we were able to stick them on but it was very cheap in Myanmar to just like just go from zero to 100 and set up like a business like our investment in was very low um, what we also had to do was buy a I think our biggest investment was buying a mixer and we went to uh, like scout out the different mixers and we ended up buying like a Kenwood a decently sized Kenwood but not like at a commercial level We're like mm, this is enough for now it should do the job and if we need more we can always increase um, and honestly like we went into this blindly I was just thinking hmm, we'll maybe sell like 20 cookies we would be really nice and then see what happens from there um, so I think it took us like two months to kind of pull all the initial stuff together, do all that branding, the packaging, the testing of the flavors, um, and then set up our Facebook storefront. So speaking of Facebook, it's actually so wild. And this is probably something that most of you won't know, but in Myanmar, Facebook is king. Facebook is literally like, it is the internet. You know, you have Google for us. We have like you have a web browser that we go in and type in on. They don't do that in Myanmar. It's like straight up, straight to Facebook and Google anything in Facebook. Any any like company, any person, any um, any like food brand, restaurant, dresses, like clothing, everything. Like everything is direct to consumer through Facebook, which is so crazy because I feel like I stopped using Facebook about seven years ago and I only have it to like chat to people that I don't have on WhatsApp and things like that. But in Facebook, it's crazy how heavily it is used. And people in Myanmar are like Facebook celebrities. They'll have like 3 million followers and they'll, they'll like do all their live comments there. So I reckon, I reckon Myanmar is like solely keeping Facebook alive just purely by how important it is for, for like socially and just like economically, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. So because Facebook was literally like Google, you could just set up a Facebook storefront and a page and then just start posting content. And that it was so easy. I think like the barrier for entry for marketing was really easy. And we created an ads page, like an ads account. And then we just started um, putting up an ad uh, and targeting a few people. And let me tell you about this was absolutely wild because... Uh, I don't ever like buy anything off a Facebook ad or an barely ever off an Instagram either. Instagram ad or general internet ads. Just don't just don't buy things off ads. Because I feel like I'll generally, from people I know as well, it's very untrustworthy to see a Facebook ad. You're usually like, hmm, you're going to scan me. This is not a real company. But in Myanmar, you put an ad out there, like people will engage with it like and buy. The conversion rate is insane. Like that click-through rate and that conversion rate like blows my mind. So we put this ad up, okay, and I was like, 
we'll get 20 orders maybe for like three cookies each. Honestly, I really didn't think we'd get... I thought maybe I would make 40 cookies that day, max. Even though that math before doesn't add up to that, but just letting you know. And so um, we put this ad out and we got so many inquiries. Honestly, in one... I think in two days, we had 99 cookies to be made. And when I tell you I was stressed, I was stressed. I We had to turn off the ad and bring it down because I was like, I, I'm not equipped to make 92, like 99 cookies this weekend. I had to package them and like, we had to make them, package them, check them, like get them delivered. And delivery is another thing. Let's talk about that separately. But it was crazy. So um, that is the power of Facebook in Myanmar. If that demonstrates enough, like that, if, if it demonstrates anything, it just shows how insane Facebook's presence is and importance is to the country in Myanmar and how people respond with it. Wild. Okay. So we had two problems that weekend. One, uh, Neo was not equipped and prepared or <gasps> like just, I was not in a state to make 99 cookies. I was just like freaking out. I was like, oh my God, I don't have enough ingredients, like blah, 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 stressing out. And then the other part was we hadn't figured out how we were really going to do delivery at at scale so we my partner at the time um was like okay like my business partner she was like i'm gonna do the food delivery and i'll just do it on with my own car and i was like okay but Myanmar is quite big like it's the size of if you've like it's the size of a generally like of melbourne so a normal metropolitan city it's got a lot of suburbs very large probably spans like a radius of 160 kilometers anyway it's very large. Um, maybe 160 kilometers is too much. Don't quote me on that, guys. I'm going to say 60 kilometers. I think I really overshot that. Awkward. Um, okay, anyway. So, so <laughs> we get to making the cookies. I've made the cookies. I had a mental breakdown midway through because I ran out of eggs and I, like, had to redo the batch. It was, it was honestly chaos and when i have flashbacks to that night alex just laughs at me because he was like you were just like eggs eggs the eggs are not okay like it was just like very frantic anyway it was a good learning lesson and then um that weekend we went out for delivery and honestly the delivery and i remember my response to me like that was too much delivering to like 20 or 30 addresses was way too much um it was super overwhelming we were really underprepared and just not ready to go to scale and like I just can't it was just so funny but it was looking back now it's really funny but at the time we were like we're in too deep help us so after that first weekend I think we we did just make changes every I think every few months we were like okay this needs to change this needs to get better we need to get a properly proper delivery person we need to like improve the consistency of this cookie xyz and I think we were able to learn really really fast um but overall um we ended up selling probably about 100 cookies a week like that ended up being our consistent. Um, we were approached by Food Panda to sell our cookies on Food Panda as part of their delivery service. Um, and then also approached by some cafes to sell our cookies there. But there was so much that I learned from 
that experience, which I'm going to speak to at the end, but I want to also chat a little bit more about like all the hiccups that we had along the way. So there was like cookies. It was really hard to get the consistency of cookies. Sometimes the cookies were like too large, too small. And even though I had made it like to a certain amount of grams, the weather would really like influence how the cookie would um what the result of the cookie was like after it came out of the oven because maybe if i was preparing the cookie and not the, not in the same consistent climate every time maybe the butter would melt a bit etc right all these things and so yeah i think getting the consistency of the cookies was a bit of a challenge because i didn't have a commercial kitchen and it was like too expensive to to rent out a commercial kitchen and so we really i think i really struggled with the space and just like only having one oven it was very small roots at beginnings and I think scaling it and getting to that point was quite difficult um tweaking the recipe like people would be like oh it doesn't taste it's too flowery like it tastes too much dough you need to like make it less sweet this sweet like so many so much feedback from people and just trying like trying to manage like all these requests from guests was very stressful um and that was a good like um, lesson to learn because yeah like I think when you start a business and you're serving servicing customers people are always going to have things to say but being able to know like what to prioritize what to um what to what to take action on is really really important but I think at the same time we didn't have enough data and we weren't at a certain size to be able to really make proper assessments of what to change Okay, so there's like one really, really funny scenario that happened. So it was around delivery. I think like this this happened not long before we kind of stopped the business. Um, but we had ended up getting my business partner's like relative to do the deliveries because they they did they drove taxis and they had a car available. So we would pay him and, and then he would do the deliveries. Um, but honestly, one time he delivered like all the wrong batches of cookies to the wrong customers. Um, and he had like freaked out in the moment, didn't know what to do and didn't know which which cookies to give out. So he called us, but um, one of us didn't answer. And then he freaked out. So he just started giving out cookies to anybody, like just didn't even read read the tick. Because we actually like noted on each pack, like who, what, which cookies were for who. And then they would just, he just ended up giving them to everyone. And this was just such a nightmare. We had like refund people, like do a new batch of cookies for people. Oh, it was just such a nightmare. And I think, um, yeah, that was a good good lesson learned of just, you've got to get your logistics down packed, man. Like, it's so hard. I think delivery is super hard generally for any small business. Like, I know friends who do floristry. It's really hard to actually get consistent delivery people when you're at a small scale. Like, maybe you only have 10 orders a week. How do you sign a contract on with, like, a delivery company? You don't really. And then how do you get that delivery cost to be not so expensive um but always have someone available very very hard logistics a difficult space all right i'm gonna pause now for a peanut butter fact um so i was actually realizing this week that i don't actually know and have never researched about how peanuts are grown i am honestly such a large consumer of peanuts in generally the peanut butter form but i don't even know where how they grow like what do they look like so i've researched this this week so peanuts um obviously most of us not obviously but most of us have seen peanuts in the shell right 
then it comes in and you can crack open the shell and you can eat the peanuts, like the raw peanuts in there. But um, peanuts actually grow on a like a root. Like they they have a sprout, a flower, and then their like root is in the grass, which is kind of wild, right? Not in the grass, in the soil. Um, so, yeah, like the seeds are planted and then they harvest it. It takes like three to four months to harvest and then... Um, for it to grow, sorry, and then they'll harvest it. And then for the peanuts that they, p- that they unshell, de-shell, unshell, shell, the ones that they take the shell off, um, they will dry them for like 10 days and get the moisture out of them. And then voila, you have peanuts. And then they start roasting them and doing whatever they do to them. Or you can also just sell like the peanuts fresh in the pack. I um, mean, in the pack, in the shell. Honestly, my brain today, sorry, it's like word vomit. I'm just, I'm my brain's saying something and my mouth is saying something else. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so China is actually the world's largest producer of peanuts. Like, so they um, grow a lot, which makes sense because they have a lot of land. And then um, they have like, yeah, 37% of the total global peanuts. US only has like 5% of the world's total peanuts, so they are not winning that peanut war. Um, but the rest of the peanuts, surprisingly, also grown in Myanmar, a lot of peanuts. Nigeria, Sudan, Senegal, Guinea, Argentina, Tanzania. Um, but yes, I did not know that, but I'm really glad that I now know what peanuts look like. And if you don't know, Google it when it's being grown. Like, how do they grow? Google that. Because I reckon peanuts are just one of those things that just appear in our lives before we, like when we're born, we don't even, we don't even, without even asking for it, a peanut appears in our life. You know what I mean? It's just like an egg. Same thing. <laughs> I can't with myself today. Okay, so what ended up happening to the bite Myanmar? So obviously COVID happened and COVID was really, really bad in Myanmar. Um, but before that also like, well, the COVID happened, bad in the world, and then the coup happened. So we ended up closing the business because of COVID, but then it just stayed permanently closed because of the coup, as I was never able to get back to Myanmar, which was super sad because I think we were having a lot of fun with, with the business and we were growing and we were learning so much from it. And I actually had like a vision to make it into maybe a, so- a social impact organization. I was thinking of getting people um, from... Uh, pov- impoverished areas and giving them the opportunity to come and like work and um, train up like how to learn to bake and then um, go out and like you know get that they can get the qualifications and skills at the bakery and then go out and take on other jobs and that was something I really wanted to do but unfortunately my time in Myanmar was cut really short and it was very sad and I'm still grieving that but yeah, so it's now temp- it's now it was temporarily closed, but it's permanently closed. Um, but we had a really really fun time, and that leads me to chatting more about like what I learned overall from my little stint um, as an entrepreneur um, and running a bakery. So I learned that entrepreneurship is really really hard work, but I also learned that it is something that I want to do in the long term. Like I want to be self-employed. I really enjoyed being able to completely own end-to-end decisions and really go from an idea into actually strategizing and creating that product and implementing it. It was really, really fun. 
I don't think in the future, I really don't think I would ever do like another labor intensive business. Um, having to slave every weekend and make these cookies was so exhausting. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot. Like every Saturday night, I would just be there like making the cookies, making sure that they're ready to go out. And it was a lot. So, and I just think I appreciate especially like sourdough bread, croissants. I'm like, I just know how much time it takes and how hard it is to make that damn product that paying $5 for a croissant is nothing. The amount of time that people go into making it, amazing. But also, I know a lot of people use machines now, but all that stuff, it costs a lot of money. The maintenance is a lot. Um, yeah, so labor-intensive work f as long-term, not for me. That's how I feel. Um, I think I learned, definitely learned when I look back and reflect on my experience and also from reading books and kind of learning more about entrepreneurship is, yeah, if you really want to do something properly, you have to really invest. Like there's no point of half-assing this entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial, there's no point in half-assing this uh, venture that you're going into because if you really want to make money from something and you want to do it well you really need to invest the money and the time and I think I invested the time for sure but I think on a money front I didn't invest enough and I should have just committed more and invested more into it I don't really regret it for the bite because obviously the things that happened in Myanmar in terms of COVID and the coup resulted in me being better off not investing too much but in future ventures that I go into I would definitely would invest more um, and make sure that I'm more properly like better set up for marketing branding like um, logistics like having everything really carved out and know my stages that I'm going to hit before I start to invest more and more so I think yeah I would be a lot smarter about it now moving forward um, Learn, having learned what I have um, from from the Bite Myanmar, um, yeah. But I think it's it's it was great because it really awakened an opportunity for me to try out something I've always wanted to do, which is start a business. Um, and now I can say like I ran a bakery, like it was so fun. I did X Y Z, like we made these sales. And sometimes I forget to sit back and appreciate that that I actually did that. Um, but it's something I'm very, very proud of and it was a great experience and I totally encourage you guys like out there if you have an idea or something you want to do, just try it out as a small scale. I think you can get more confident to like invest more as I was saying as as you actually earn more money and you you do get the opportunity to have those sort of funds to support yourself. I think the difficult thing is it's so easy for someone to like start up a business that they come from a like a background where they are well supported um, but I think that's why it's really hard to start things when you're young if you don't have if you don't have the money to invest into it if it's something that you do need to like buy equipment and all this sort of stuff um, one other thing that I thought I would share because I did I did read about this and I thought it was like a really good point which was actually um, there's actually really like no harm in not being an, a young entrepreneur like you don't no one's telling you you need to start a business at the age of like 12 or 20. I mean, I know the media really idolizes people who are like young entrepreneurs. And as you get older, it seems like less impressive that you started your own business because you're now 35, right? But I think don't listen to that because I do think at the same time, like if you are nervous about it and you feel like, hey, I don't think I have the experience, it's good to go out there and get the experience. Go like work, have that salary job, do that nine to five, learn how hard it is to earn a dollar, learn like why you want to do, why you want to be an entrepreneur, understand the gaps 
like learn those fundamental business um, skills to really be able to take and implement into your your business and grow it the best you can. I don't think you should get bogged down on the fact that like I'm a running against the time. I have to start something like right now because I'm 23 and I'm at my prime age and it'd be so impressive. People who do that, it's so great for them. But sometimes, honestly, people just get lucky and they get a really good idea and they and they're they're ready. Like it it was good for them, but not for everybody. And I don't think you have to follow that route that classic route for entrepreneurship and don't get suckered into that um, stereotype. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this and it's inspired you to just think a little bit about maybe what it's like to start your own thing. Maybe you completely have no interest, totally fine. Maybe it's something you've thought about. There's a skill that you have that you've thought, mm, maybe that would be interesting. I hope this has given you an insight as to like what that could be like. I took the plunge and tried it out. I thought it was so fun. It's definitely something I want to do in the future um, and have and as a long time, long-term vision in my life. But I know that from my experience, I still have a lot of things to learn um, to be able to be equipped and ready to really do my next business and really shine in it. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. I will catch y'all soon. Bye.